This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat here on this Thursday morning. It's going to be April, as we are now at March 31st, which means we are so close to the final month of the NHL regular season. The Penguins looking to go into that final month on a high note as they obviously play the Minnesota Wild later tonight. We will be previewing that game in this episode. We will be previewing their matchup on Saturday against the Colorado Avalanche. Massive hockey day, whatever, ABC, 3 o'clock start that I guess we're going to have to start getting used to. And then, of course, we'll have shout-outs and call-outs. But let's start here. Pittsburgh Penguins and another big game against the Broadway Blue Shirts. They do fall, this time by a score of 3-2. to two. Much better performance than Friday night. But they do still lose 3-2, this time on home ice to the New York Rangers. Horwat, when you watch that game, did it ever feel like they were gonna come back? I mean, it really did to me in that last couple of minutes whenever it was an empty net. They stopped like eight empty net shots by the New York Rangers. Did you believe that they were going to score and blow the roof off of PPG Paints Arena on Tuesday night? There was such an amount of momentum that it seemed like it was very possible. And that's just the way the Penguins roll sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's... You know they're not going to play the full 60 every game, but you want them to play the back 20 or the back 40 just so it's the better portion. So it's you're closing out strong rather than uh, closing out weak. So I think that there was always the feeling of momentum that something could happen. We've seen this team do crazier things, both uh, positively and negatively. So I think there was the genuine thought of, yeah, it's possible. Uh, Crosby's a man on a mission this season, so I, you'd figure something like that would come from him. Gino's just been a monster as well. Um, and it's a different vibe on this team. Granted, you still want to get a win against a team like the Rangers, but you never felt totally out of it, uh, unlike last Friday. Yeah, last Friday they were basically out of it before it even got started. But on Tuesday night, the first period was not amazing by the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'll just say that. Tristan Jari had a really good first period. He's the reason that that team was able to really... I mean, the Penguins left the first period with a one nothing lead thanks to a goal by Brian Boyle. Really nice deflection by him. The only 5-on-5 goal that the Penguins have scored against the New York Rangers in three games this season. They obviously have tacked on three power play goals, but that goal by Brian Boyle in the first, the only time they've beaten Igor Shesterkin during regular even strength play. I thought the first period, they started to get better as the period went on. And then the second period, really the first 13 minutes, I thought they played fantastic. And up to that point, I was like, okay, this is the Penguins team that will be able to beat the Rangers in a seven game series. But then of course, the last seven minutes of the second period, Penguins give up two goals. Then they take a bad penalty, Mike Matheson at the end of the period, which leads to a power play. Chris Kreider ends up scoring the game winning goal. How upset do you think Mike Sullivan was that the game winning goal ended up being because of a stupid post period, not just post whistle, but post period penalty taken by Mike Matheson? Not ideal, not ideal, especially since the defenseman played in a abysmal game from all accounts it's you you can't have your defensive core struggling like that people are trying to ship out Dumoulin 
far too late. Listen, we've had a discussion of doing when he's going to have bad games just because he plays that many minutes a night. It's bound to happen. Um, Mike Matheson, I think it's the experience. It is just the Mike Matheson experience. We know it is going to be all highs, all lows. There's going to be everything in between. I think that was part of it. And the greatest teams are able to not let that affect their game. They're able to bounce back from it. You can even give up that goal and still bounce back from it and not let it define your game. Um, so for what it's worth, I'm not saying that penalty is going to define the game or define the season, but it's just not the ideal way to play a game of this stature and of this importance. Yeah, when I look at that situation, obviously you don't blame Matheson too, too much because you get why he did it. Obviously, I don't remember who it was on the Rangers, went after Jake Gensel. You want to protect the third best and at points of the season was the best player on your team. I understand that. I like him standing up for Gensel, but you can stand up for Gensel by pulling him off and shoving him into the boards. He went a little too far. The emotions were high. The Penguins had just went from being up one to nothing and controlling the pace of play to being down two to nothing with a period left of hockey. So there is a little bit of frustration, but that's something that it doesn't hurt too much right now. Obviously, you'd rather have won this game, but in the playoffs, if that something like that happens, that's when you become an enemy of the state, as, as it were. You need to make sure that in those situations going forward, you start to get your emotions under control. Like I said, I don't blame Matheson too much. I do like that he's standing up for Jake Gensel. You don't want Gensel to be the only guy in that scrum, but at the same time, the where they were in the game down two to one after controlling that period for the majority of the time and going into a third period against a team that you haven't scored against. Like I said, one regular or one five on five goal against this team in three games, you need to be a little bit smarter instead of putting your team on the penalty kill to start the third period. For what it's worth, that penalty might not even get called in the playoffs. Just for how much the league doesn't care about penalties in, in the postseason. I mean Look at Connor McDavid being the least penalized player in the playoffs. Look at getting away with literal murder on ice uh, again during the playoffs. It, for what it's worth, that play that play might not even be called in the playoffs, but it's still not ideal to take something like that because, like you mentioned, it's not about the the officials of the league taking action. It is the other team taking action and making you the public enemy. And them getting you back in the next in the following game mm-hmm. or the following period, whatever it may be. It's not fully about uh, what the officials of the league may take into action, but that is kind of how the cookie crumbled in the regular season game. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The playoffs are a different animal, so I'm not taking a penalty like that too much to heart by way of how it reflects in the playoffs. Uh, granted, it's if it's something egregious, I mean, I'll, full disclosure, I missed this game. I'm just kind of speaking from highlights, and they don't put those kind of penalties in highlight packs. But it's not ideal. You, you don't want to be taking dumb penalties, especially now, because they could translate into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So one other thing that happened, of course, later in that game, Penguins down 3-1. to one. They start to push, and I liked their push in the third period at some points. There were some points where I was like, is this team really down two goals? We know the Penguins are capable of scoring two goals very quickly, especially when they're trailing in a game late in the third period. We've seen it happen multiple times this season. It's one of the best things about this iteration of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But there were times where it seemed like, okay, the New York Rangers... We all talk about how they're not great at 5-on-5. They were controlling the pace of play. They were controlling the puck. Basically an entire do-or-die period for the Pittsburgh Penguins because you knew on this night, 
after the Penguins were embarrassed by this team. You knew, obviously, that they were hungry for this win. They went out and won 11-2 on Sunday, for God's sakes. They were upset at their performance. They wanted this really badly. Big night. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger was there. I'm sure we'll get to it later. But it was a huge game. You knew they wanted it. And sometimes in that third period, I didn't see the compete level. We saw Evan Rodriguez demoted to the third line. You hate when that happens. And that's why Evan Rodriguez can't be on the top line going forward. I'm sure that's something we will talk about ad nauseum for the run-up to the playoffs. But if you have a guy that you're going to have to demote when you're down two goals like that, just because he's playing so poorly, that's not good for your lineup. And then of course, Sidney Crosby, as you said, took over. He goes out there, Penguins get a power play. He just slaps it home from the point, something we rarely see from Sidney Crosby. Honestly, it was Evgeny Malkin-esque, how he just came from the top of the key and he just slapped it right past Igor Shosturkin. You love to see it. And that was a meaningful goal for Sidney Crosby. It was a meaningful point for Sidney Crosby because uh, as per Penguins PR, Sidney Crosby, who can appear in a maximum of 70 games this season, has clinched 17 consecutive point-per-game seasons because that was his 70th point this year. Only Wayne Gretzky with 19 has more point-per-game seasons in NHL history. This one has tied Crosby with Gordie Howe. So elite company for Sidney Crosby in the points-per-game race. Oh, and he's going to break that Gretzky record. Love to see it. Is he, though? I mean, he <laughs> yes. three more seasons yes. of a point-per-game? You're, you're predicting that? Yes. Okay. Zero hesitation, zero scoffing at, no joke about it. Yes. Um, add on top of that, this is what he's. This is his seventeenth consecutive season doing it. Have we mentioned he's only played seventeen seasons? Yes, that is that is obviously. That's making. kind of why I'm also putting full f full full bore into he's going to break that record because that's his pace right now. Mm-hmm. That's his career pace of a point per game, bare minimum. He's been injured for majorities of seasons and is still pulled off. A point per game. He's had two seasons, three seasons cut short, basically. Mm-hmm. He's still pulled off a point per game. He's been injured in those seasons, and he's still pulled off a point per game. We have all the discussion of Sidney Crosby's career and always discuss, well, there was the 2011 concussion that stretched into 2012. There was this third, there was this injury. There was that. There was the, the lockout. There was two shortened seasons because of a virus. We're still... But he's always had a point per game. He's always at least gone into game one with two points and walked out with his continuing pace. So it's he's never had a, had a season under a point per game. So I just think that's the general rule of thumb with Sidney Crosby is however many games he's going to play mm-hmm. in a given season, whether it's 30, 25, 82, that's the minimum for him. Yeah, That is the bare minimum. And you, we we all know he goes above and beyond no matter what. Yeah, I do like that. And I, I agree that if you look at the way Sidney Crosby's playing right now, there are no signs of him slowing down. If he did not get injured at the beginning of the season, he would have been a 100-point player this year. Like, that's the pace that he's on. He has 70 points. The Penguins still have 16 games left. He's going to score 87, potentially past the 90-point mark, when only playing in probably missing what? 10, well, 11, 12 he max, games? He can max out at 70, so 12. Oh, yeah, I guess he can max out at 70. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So I, I love the fact that you're very confident in that. Three seasons, that means you're saying a 37-year-old Sidney Crosby is going to score a point per game. I'd love it. The city of Pittsburgh would love it, and the organization of the Pittsburgh Penguins would absolutely love to see Sidney Crosby at age 37 
scoring a point per game. I just, time is very difficult right now. And I don't think that he's going to fall off quickly, but in three years down the road, that's really hard to tell. I'd love to see it for sure. I mean, it's just the way I feel it'll, it'll crumble. I'm trying to remember Gretzky's numbers. How did he hit 19? Like what? Cause I don't think he did that night. I mean, uh, in the first 19 of his career, because it was 19 consecutive. Maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I'm just speaking out of my ass here, and I should just shut up, which I'm going to. So, <laughs> you know, I think just Gretzky's numbers, there's always those weird records that he holds um, that we think will never be broken, but that one is one that I firmly do believe will uh, come to an end. Yeah, I'm trying to read through it here really quickly, but his hockey reference is all over the place, especially the fact that he started in the WHA. So I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, but at the same exact time, and this is not a, a minimal feat either for Sidney Crosby. I don't know. We don't want to get too far into it, but points per game is kind of his thing. You know, Ovechkin has the goals race, and trust me, that's always going to be more high profile, him chasing Gretzky in the goals race. But for Sidney Crosby, the question has always been, because of those injuries, because of the amount of games that he has missed in his career, it's always, hey, look at his points per game. They're ridiculous. They're all-star, they're greatest of all time numbers. So that is the race. If you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, yes, it's not as fun as the Alex Ovechkin goals chase of Wayne Gretzky. That is the record, the Gretzky record that Sidney Crosby is chasing, and that's the one that we should start paying attention to going forward. And of course, he already notched it for this season. So congratulations to him. We'll move forward in the conversation with that. Penguins this year dropped a one and two against the New York Rangers. Obviously, they had the one to nothing win on Saturday primetime, three o'clock on ABC. That was their only win. Since then, they've lost two straight. Last Friday, a five to one loss. And then, of course, Tuesday, we already talked about it, a three to two loss. How do you see a series between these two teams going? Because as of right now, Rangers are in second place in the Metro. Penguins are in third. And there's a little bit of space on either side of that. Carolina has some sp- breathing room. And then the Penguins have breathing room on the Washington Capitals. So it seems as of right now that that is destined to be the first round series. How do you see that going? Kind of not fun. Gonna be <laughs> honest. Yeah. Now I get the playoffs are a different animal. I get the playoffs are a different beast. And we hope to have different players in and or out of the lineup by then but this is not super fun right now we've seen the rangers dominate us and even in our victory against the rangers it wasn't like it was a blow away victory it was a one to nothing game where one shot goes the wrong way and it's a whole new ball game sure it's fun hockey to watch two great teams play against each other especially in the postseason but it's just not fun from the perspective of a team that is struggling to get a playoff series win playing against one of the top teams in the league. So it'd be entertaining. I don't I don't think I'd lose confidence in it, but it just wouldn't be fun. It would be one of those series that you look at and say, that could kill us mm-hmm. just in terms of physicality and trying to get out of it and trying to pl- then play a second round afterwards. Um, it could wear us pretty thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this series would be very entertaining, in my opinion, but also it would probably take years off of the life of anybody watching it and anybody that has a serious stake in it. When you look at the three games this season, one to nothing game, obviously tight checking. The Penguins won because Tristan Jari outgoalied Igor Shosturkin. Okay, second game, it was a 5-1 to one game. The Rangers outplayed the Pittsburgh Penguins, but if you take out the first three goals, which... If you, if you get a little bit better of a performance in that first five minutes, 
those first three goals probably don't quite go in. The Rangers outplayed the Penguins, but still, if you take that out, it's a two-to-one game. Now it's a it's a three-to-two game in favor of the Rangers. Very close between both teams. You know what this reminds me of? And I truly expect a playoff series to look similar to what we've seen. We said in, on Monday that you know regular season series doesn't mean anything when it comes to the postseason. You can look at the record again in the regular season. It can mean absolutely nothing. I.e. last year, Penguins 6-2 and two against the Islanders in the regular season, yet can't win in the postseason. But here's the thing. When I look at the way that these two teams have played, and I think it is certainly the way that it will continue to go when these two teams meet, it reminds me of Penguins versus Senators in 2017. The style of play is a little bit different from the Rangers, but the style of the games reminds me of Penguin Senators Eastern Conference Finals in 2017. I think the Rangers have more f- offensive firepower, for sure. I also think they have a better goaltender, but it's low-scoring, tight-checking, basically epitome of playoff hockey. And then every once in a while, one team can go off on, on a tangent like the Rangers did in that second game. Do, do you see what I'm going with this? And do you agree with me when I say this could be a mirror of Penn Sens, but with more offensive firepower on both sides? Yeah, I'd say I see those parallels for sure. It's pretty easy to see because if the Penguins win, they're going to win closely. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be the one nothing. It's going to be the double overtime. It's not going to be the blowaway victory. Now, the Penguins had a, had a pretty stellar uh, blowout victory in that series. Mm-hmm. But every time the Senators won, it was a bad game from the Penguins. Mm-hmm without doubt so yeah i see where you're coming from it's every time the penguins lose to either a the senators or b the rangers in this situation it's not a good game on their part Mm -hmm. but when they do play a good game they are just barely beating them so it's interesting it's not saying that the senators of that year or the rangers this year are better Mm -hmm. it's saying that the way the styles clash and the way the um hockey teams play against each other it's just that's just the way the things shake out the penguins can only barely beat them but still get a win because they're not worried about how it's done they're worried about how the outcome is <clears throat> and but if but if nothing goes in the proper direction um it is going to be all rangers or all senators in that situation because that was this last uh game we saw flurry on this in this organization it was yeah. That was his downfall. So it's truly a matter of just getting the proper victories, whether they are blowout wins or you know nail-biting overtimes that we may need in come May. Mm-hmm. I do see where you're coming from, and I like that comparison. It's just a little... <laughs> it, it gives confidence, though, because, again, like we mentioned, we don't remember the games where we got, you know, blown out or we played a bad game in those postseasons uh we remember the victories we remember fighting all the way through it we remember blowing out the senators in game five or six or whatever it was mm-hmm. and then following it up with a stanley cup victory so it's i like the comparison but that's only when you dig deeper into it it's just hard to really <laughs> think of saying the Rangers wouldn't be a fun series, but saying the Senators was a fun series, because that wasn't a fun series back then. No, especially the stakes going for your second cup and being in the Eastern Conference Final against a team you thought you should roll over even though they had a defensive system. It was uh, very you know, heart attack inducing, to, be, to say the least, for sure. And I think, honestly, these teams, there's a lot of differences, but if you take out, you know, 
exchanged the Senators' staunch defense under Guy Boucher in 2017 and input the fact that Igor Shosturkin is a mutant. And that's where I think the, the comparison in the pace of play comes from. Yeah, especially because the Rangers are a good team, but they're definitely being put over the top by their goalie, I think. Yes. it's that, And that has been evident through a good amount of the closing part of the season. Not the beginning so much, not the middle, but definitely the closing where um, the scoring has not totally evaporated, but it has pulled back a little mm-hmm. to the point of all the weight goes on Shesterkin's shoulders, and we've seen him give up five. We've seen him give up four. We've seen him have some slouchy games. You have to hope, if the Penguins are going to play him in the first round, that it's just the Craig, and- Craig, and- Craig Anderson? Yes. No, not Craig Anderson. Uh, Frederick Anderson. Oh, okay. The Leafs effect, where they're just overplaying their goalie to the point yeah. of he cannot do it for four to seven more games. Mm-hmm. Especially the playoff games. And here's the thing, and I'll, I'll close out this conversation with this, and I'll give you a second a chance to respond to this. When I look at this series, I think it's a good thing that there's a little bit of fear in the fan base. I don't want to say anything about the players in the room because you never know what their mentality is, but there's a lot that has been said about the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs the last three seasons. But the three teams they've played, or two teams they've played in the three years, the Islanders the first year, Everybody had confidence that they were going to wipe the floor with the Islanders. The Maple Leaf, or sorry, the Montreal Canadiens. Nobody, everybody was saying, "Oh, who are they going to play in the first round?" Nobody was talking about the Canadiens. And then the Islanders again last year. Everybody had confidence that, "Hey, they're going to beat the Islanders, and we're going to see where this goes after that." Maybe the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins, at least the fan base, is a little more cautious about this type of game now you don't know if that trickles into the room but maybe the fact that they're on their heels and they have something more to prove against this team that has got the better of them in the three games so far maybe that leads to the Pittsburgh Penguins having a little more success that's mainly just my internal thought process I'm sure it has nothing to do with the actual players need an underdog story exactly with the it's the Penguins have gone into each of the last few years as the well they weren't they were technically the underdog in that first series in 2019. Were they? Because we got... I mean, yeah, they were... Well, technically. They were the road team, but were they really the underdog? Did anybody really pick the Islanders outside of Long Island? I don't think so. Like, I know the I, Islanders were the second seed and the Penguins were the third seed in that playoffs, but I don't think anybody nationally or especially not in Pittsburgh thought that the Islanders were going to be able to beat the Penguins, let alone sweep them the way that they did. Right. I mean, it's... But it's the fact that they still kind of came in off of two back-to-backs and then a uh, and then a year where they went to a back-to-back years and then to a season where they went two rounds deep. It was just a lot of hockey still. Um, judging by the standings, I'm trying to remember where they were. Uh, the Islanders. It, they were in second in the Metro. Okay. I mean, it's just that's the way I looked at it. Yeah. But still, the the point being, the Penguins have not... Or they still do need an underdog story, yeah. Not that they need an underdog story, but the Penguins going into this, they're a lot... At least, a lot of people are a lot more tentative about their chances. Everybody thought that they were going to win those three series. They need to be doubted. They need to be doubted a little bit. They need to be doubted. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. That's where they were in the 2016 playoffs. That's where they were in the 2017-1. They were doubted in the 2018-1, and honestly, they just ran out of gas. But they haven't been doubted since 2018. And now that there's doubt there, and now that the team that they're playing gives doubt, I think that that's 
a good thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins moving forward. Yeah, but it, not an underdog thing, but the 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 fear of losing finally. Yes, a little bit less of a oh, we should expect to win this game, but. Uh, we're going to make take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to preview this weekend's matchups against the Minnesota Wild, against the Colorado Avalanche, and talk a little bit about Jason Zucker's return, because it could come as early as tonight. We'll be right back. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customer a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're talking Penns Wild, and then we'll talk a little Penns Avs a little bit later in this segment. But the Penguins take it on the Minnesota Wild later tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, in Minneapolis at XL Energy Center. The Minnesota Wild are the hottest team in the National Hockey right, League right now. Seven-game winning streak for the Wild, and the Penguins... Already lost to them this season. Now, that was back on November 6th, but they lost a matchup 5-4 to in a shootout earlier in the season. When you come into this game, Horowat, and you take on the Minnesota Wild, what are you looking for, and what do you think the Penguins need to do to get their game right after a loss on Tuesday? It's so hard to say because it's a Minnesota Wild team that you look at the lineup and you wonder how they're on a seven-game winning streak. And there's nothing against these players, but Je- Frederick Goudreau is your second-line center right now. They have a lot of strength at wing, though. Yeah, they do. It's Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Sure, I do enjoy those two players, but it's they don't strike me as guys to carry teams. I'm, Matt Boldy's having a great season. Kevin Fiala's doing pretty okay. Huh? Wait. You said Kaprizov's not a guy that strikes you to carry a team. Doesn't Kaprizov have like 90 points this year? He's carrying that team. Is he the only one then? Matt Boldy should be in consideration for the Calder, but he came up too late. He's having a great season. I And, and Fiala, I think, is still criminally underrated. I think that this is a much better team that you're giving credit for. Oh, probably. Again, I, it's hard. They're a Western Conference team. It's not like I see them every day. Yeah. It's not like I'm able to quickly pop on ESPN Plus at 11 at night and try and watch a wild game. Uh, no, I, I just don't know enough about the team to really give a good option. I'm just kind of looking at names here. Okay, yeah, maybe I pulled back on Caprice off a little too much. It's Zuccarello there that I'm hold, that I'm focusing on and saying, what does he really still have left in the tank after 
pretty bad injury last season. Granted, he is a great player still. I'm not saying he's not. Uh, just doesn't strike me as um, someone who can fully get it done. Plus, uh, this center depth is names for sure, but they all are like third line names. Well, they certainly don't have that star center that a lot of teams pride themselves on on building around. But I feel like the way that Billy Guerin has built this team is that while they don't have the stars at center, they do have really deep wings and they also have some really good team play. They play really well. They defend very well. And then they get goals from everywhere. I, I didn't know Brandon Duhame was on their fourth line because he has been able to get his name on the score sheet a lot more than I expected to, for sure. So I like the way that this team plays as a whole. And I like the way that it's been built because it has been built very uniquely in that they don't need that star. Obviously, they like to have that star center, but they are performing without it. They're doing just fine. Yeah, the rest of the team, otherwise, it fills out pretty well. They have a very, very good defense. There's where I'll stand up for. Jared Spurgeon on the top line is good. Jonas Brodine and Matthew Dumbo on the second is solid. John Merrill was a folk hero in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And he's on the third line with Dmitry Kulikov, who... I don't remember too much about. I can't remember if he was good or bad, but as a name you've heard in the league forever and ever. Yeah, it feels like he's so, been here longer than Crosby because just that's the name that you've heard. Yeah, so he's been around. So you have that studly defense. And you get to the goaltending where Penguins fans yeah. can have fun because yeah. I don't know what kind of season Cam Talbot is having this year. It must be pretty good if he's part of a seven-game winning streak because I know Marc-Andre Fleury, there he is, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. has not played a lot yet. Now, if we remember, <laughs> the Penguins shelled Fleury this year already. It was a long they time did. ago, but it was the Penguins, it was the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins that shelled Marc-Andre Fleury this, earlier this season. He was also on the Blackhawks. Let's not... Yeah, and? The Blackhawks... 30 seconds into the game and we were scoring against them. Correct. The Blackhawks' defense versus the Wilds' defense is a very different story. And obviously, the Blackhawks as a team this year is a very different story than the Minnesota Wild as a team. Yeah, for sure. But it's just fun to look back. Yeah, 15 seconds into the game, Teddy Bluger was scoring on Fleury. I think we can have a little confidence in playing against the Vesna winner. Yeah, I think there's something else to be said, though, about the fact that as of late, obviously Fleury's numbers in Chicago were much better than they should have been considering the team around him. And now he's come to Minnesota at the trade deadline. He's 2-0 since being traded at the deadline to the Minnesota Wild, but he has a 948 save percentage in those two games. So he's performing very well, not to say the fact that Cam Talbot has won five of those seven games. And he was the NHL's first star last week, including a 3 to nothing shutout victory at home against the Vegas Golden Knights. So goaltending is going to be there. No matter who's in net, whether it's a reunion against Marc-Andre Fleury or whether it's going up against Cam Talbot, they're going to have good goaltending. You're going to have to watch out for Kirill to throw Kaprizov. And this team, there's not really going to be a line you can take a break on. And that's the way the Penguins like to play. That's the way the Wild certainly are playing, which is why they are right now second in the NHL's Central Division. It's going to be a difficult game for the Pittsburgh Penguins to win. What I want to see from them, I want to see progress from Kapanen and Carter. I've liked the chemistry that they have been able to build. It started way back, I think, a week and a half ago when he saw Carter consoling Kapanen on the bench. I believe that was in a game where Kapanen against the Blue Jackets went around and almost scored that goal, and he just... He was very upset, visibly, that he didn't finish that opportunity. Carter was able to console him. Since then, 
Kapanen has looked much better. Carter has looked much better. And I really like them on a third line with uh, Danton Heinen. I did like Heinen on that line, the the short time that we saw him. They're going to seemingly have Evan Rodriguez on the left side there. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a couple minutes. But I need to see more progress made by Kapanen and Carter. It doesn't have to be goals. But I want to see them control pace of play. I want to see Kapanen continue to build on what he's been able to do the last three games. That is exactly what we want to see. Get hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Finally. Finally. Maybe that's what we, he's just been waiting for. He ha- Maybe he's had all this season-long ability. <laughs> he's just been waiting no, to be paired up with Jeff Carter on a third-line role? No, he's just been waiting for the right time to utilize it. Okay. He says, I have... God, give me a, give me a good number. He, he, I have 15 goals in the bank. I haven't 11. used them yet. Oh, oh, yes, 15 in the bank. Okay. Yeah, he's like, I haven't used them yet. They've just been sitting there collecting dust for some reason. Listen, if he's going to score 15 goals in a short period of time, let's wait till the first series. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Maybe he's just holding on to them. Maybe. He's like, I'm, I'm going to spend five. Let's finish out the season with a, with a couple here. Come playoff time, it's over. He's going to have potting 10. <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to score 15 from here on till the end of, till the until we play our last game, mm-hmm. but maybe that confidence is coming back at the right time. Maybe. I do I do like what I've seen from Captain and Carter, so I want to see a little bit more progress made on that tonight. And then I also want to see some five-on-five scoring from the top six. I don't have much bad to say about the Penguins' top six, but I want to see Malkin and Raquel get going a little bit more. We'll talk about Zucker in just a couple seconds. I know I keep, I keep pushing that can down the road a little bit more. And I want to see that first line, if it gets reunited the way that it is. In its peak form, the first line is Crosby, Gensel, and Rust. If that gets reunited, I want to see them put a couple five-on-five goals in the net, or at least one, and see them play better at five-on-five. They haven't been bad, per se, but I think they've taken a couple steps back. Crosby was having a really rough game against the Rangers until he took over in the third period, and Gensel has had a little bit of a slow stretch here where he hasn't been at his best at five-on-five. So I want to see a little bit of a bounce back from them as well. Uh, yeah, I fully agree. It's we. It's getting to the point of the season where all of the guys need to be bouncing their way back into playing the best of their abilities and topping off a pretty good season. We would like home ice. It's not not guaranteed, especially mm-hmm. now no. that we can't beat the Rangers. But uh, it's just a matter of getting the right guys going at the right time. Yeah, you're heading into a stretch, you're in the middle of a stretch, not even heading into, that started with the New York Rangers. You have six more games against really, really good teams that should all be players in this year's NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. You're not going to win all of them, and Penguins fans right now, I'm going to tell you right now, they're not going to win all of them. They might not win most of them, but what you need to see is these individual performances, these players progressing instead of regressing at this point of the season. You need to see them building on stuff, even if it's one little thing each game. That's what I've loved about Ricard Raquel so far on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Obviously, he made that huge save with the empty net last game where he put his body on the line, basically boxed out the net when he was the only guy there and everybody was on the other side of the net. That was huge, but I also see little plays throughout the game where he's able to deke guys and get past defensemen one-on-one, where he's able to just go straight towards the net, where he has a willingness to do anything and everything possible to make sure this puck gets on that net and that goalie has to make a save. The little things that he's done like that is what I like. He's only scored points in one game so far. 
but I've liked to see little things each game that have added to his game that make me feel a little bit more confident. That's what I need to see from everybody going forward. Let's talk about Jason Zucker. He's missed the last 30 games due to recovery from core muscle surgery. It seems like his return is imminent tonight in Minnesota, which would be his first time back in many since he was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I like him returning tonight. I like where they're starting him with. I know everybody has said, hey, Malkin and Zucker didn't work last year. It didn't. And I agree. And I don't think it did work last year. And I think a big portion of the reason of that is because Zucker on one wing and Kapanen on the other, those styles don't mix very well. They're both energizer bunnies. Kapanen last year had a little bit more finish, but also they're not really great puck controllers oh, on both hell sides. No. Hell no. Raquel is a really good puck controller. He's really good at keeping the puck on his stick. He's really good at making moves with the puck, being attached to the puck, and getting past defensemen. I like that about Raquel. So I do think that Zucker with Malkin and Raquel, which is the second line that was at practice on Wednesday, if he returns, that's what we expect him to be on. I do like that move. What do you th- With Russ moving up to the first line, which again, makes that first line peak condition, what do you think of that lineup right there? Anything to get Evan Rodriguez off this first line. <laughs> yeah, I saw a lineup the other day, yesterday, that um, had Rodriguez as a healthy scratch and Brian Boyle still in the lineup, and I said yes, that's a playoff roster. We talked about that on Monday. Yeah, and then someone, I think someone in the athletic, I forget who it was exactly, so I apologize there. Put it into fruition, got it moving, got the ball rolling. I like that. Uh, Josh Yowie put out a, a, a thing with seven different Penguins iterations of their forward lines, which I love it. But that one, that one, mm-hmm. without Rodriguez in the lineup, I'm with it. I'm with that. And Zucker being on the second line, we got to give him his opportunities because he's missing it. He's been missing it all season. As long as he can maintain that same mental of wanting to go into the season, you know, you got to remember it's been a while since he's played. He wanted to go into this season shooting more, scoring more, finding the back of the net more. If he can go return from this injury down the stretch here with that same mentality where I'm all about it because that should lead to something especially playing with a guy like Malkin who's going to also bury his own fair share a guy like Raquel who you said and I can agree on is very good at protecting the puck and dishing the puck around and can capitalize himself that those three can be a really fun line Kapanen is on the verge of breaking through to finding another level finally uh the third line is probably still a good spot for him, though, just because we don't have the confidence in him yet. Mm-hmm. It's good that we're seeing him play with confidence, but we don't have it yet. I also think the matchups are much better, but continue. Yes, because then you're sticking Kapanen with Carter, who apparently those two are building something, which is nice. Then what is it, Heinen over there you'd go with on the third? Uh, currently, Evan Rodriguez is slated there in the latest practice lines, but I would go with Heinen there for sure. Yeah, because then that solidifies your fourth line of Teddy Bluger, Brian Boyle, and Brock McGinn when he comes back. Here's the thing about that. And I talked to Danny Shirey Irving on Twitter yesterday a little bit about this. He said, I don't know why people are so adamant about Brian Boyle being in the lineup. And I said, you know what? I'm not adamant, but I do think there's a case to be made. And that's what I'm going to say right now is there is a case to be made for Brian Boyle to be on that wing to start the playoffs. Now, here's the thing. That fourth line with everything that we already mentioned about the top nine, and I completely agree. With that fourth line, Teddy Bluger, you're not moving him. He's the fourth line center, obviously. Like, that is that shouldn't even be a question, which it isn't. When McGinn comes back, McGinn is in the lineup. There's no question about that to me. 
That last spot, I think there's realistically three or four people that for the rest of the season are going to get playing time, or I don't know if they're going to get playing time, but most of them will, that can vie for that last spot. Brian Boyle right now has my vote, and that's where I'm at. Evan Rodriguez, he's going to be fighting for that. I think Redeem Zahorna has earned the opportunity to vie for that spot. And I also think a guy like Drew O'Connor, there's an outside chance that he might slot in there. But again, outside chance. I think there's three people mainly among them. And then it's either O'Connor or even Casper Bjorkfist. They liked him on the fourth line at times this season. So I think there's a, a lot of names that could go there. But I do think Brian Boyle is in the leader, the leader in the clubhouse in that discussion to me. Yeah, the Drew O'Connor one's definitely an outside chance just because he's not currently in the NHL lineup or a healthy scratch. But mm-hmm. I like that option as well. It's These are all names that can vie for that spot, like you're saying. I do agree with you that Brian Boyle's the leader for that. Rodriguez is just, it's only because he has fallen off in the last however many, excuse me, however many games. It, it has not been pretty trying to force him to find his game again. Mm-hmm. And so we've been, that's basically what it's looked like, that we've been forcing him to find it, find whatever he found earlier this year, whatever it may have been. Yeah. Because it's not, because yes, it, it was playing with confidence. That is what drove him to score 30 in just about 30 games. But he's still playing with confidence. We saw him, we, we've seen him still be confident on the ice. Maybe it dwindled a little, but mm-hmm. we've seen it still be there. Yeah. But nothing's capitalizing from it. Yeah, like I said with Zach Aston Reese, you can play with all the confidence, all the uh, analytics you want, puck in net. Yeah, he's not scoring. Exactly. Yeah, that's the bare minimum of the game. Puck in net. Do that. Okay. Well, we're gonna talk about Penn's abs, but before we do that, because we're talking a lot about the the lineup, and we can do that till Kingdom Come. The last thing I'm gonna say about Evan Rodriguez, Penguins fans, I know what he did at the beginning of the season. I understand 30 points in 33 games, very impressive. But the way that he has been for more than half of a season now, start looking at Evan Rodriguez the same way you looked at Dominic Simone. Because that's what he is right now. Start looking at Evan Rodriguez the way you did last year. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. How about or at the beginning of this year? Exactly. That's how Just you need to thought. that's how you need to look at Evan Rodriguez, in my opinion. He is Dominic Simone at this point. Where, hey, listen, he can go out there with confidence, he can play, but it's not going to convert for him. Now, he's a better player, in my opinion, than Dom Simone is, but that's where he's at right now. That's where his performance to me is at, and that's where I'm treating him going into this next stretch of games. Speaking of yeah, the next stretch of games. You want some of the numbers on Evan Rodriguez before we cut that away? Yes, really quickly. In his first 33 games, he had 33 points. 30 and 33. 30, that's what I meant. Yeah. In his last 35, let me click up those numbers again real fast. Here's what's seven. He has had 10 points. Hmm. That's that's about what we expect from him. 10 points in 35 games. I think that's a little below average, but yeah. That's what I expect from him, because I don't think much of him. I thought a lot of him earlier this year. Mm-hmm. But clearly something has changed here. Yeah. Now I get that's not apples to apples and a clean 33 for 33. But uh, in the matter of this, about the same amount of games, mm-hmm. it has not been pretty these it last hasn't. 35 it hasn't. There was a long stretch in there where there, that was without a goal. Oh, sure, here, here. You want you want this, you want that hard stat? Two goals in those thirty-five games. Yeah, two, and I can remember one of them because we thought this is the one. He's back. No, he's not. Very much not. Yeah, and the other one I believe was also an. It might have been an empty netter. I don't know. I, I don't remember. But uh, let, let's move over and talk about Penn's abs because 
I feel like we're sort of getting robbed. It's good for the Pittsburgh Penguins because they might be catching the Avalanche at a bad time. The Penguins are going to have a home-and-home with the Colorado Avalanche here who are well on their way to -to back-to-back President's Trophies. Take that for what you will. They're a great regular season team. They're a great team in general. But currently on their injured list is Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, Bowen Byram, and Sam Girard. Yeah, they're very injured, but they're still very good, obviously. Nazem Kadri is still in the lineup. Miko Rantanen, or as Pierre used to say, Miko Rantanen, is still in the lineup. This is still a very good team. They have a really good defense. Kale McCarr is a star. But the Penguins, you can't you can't ignore the fact that they are missing two of the top players in the National Hockey League, including one of the top five, in my opinion, in Nathan McKinnon. So the Penguins might be catching them at a good time. But to me, it does rob us of some of the best hockey we ever see. Because I love Penguins versus Avalanche matchups. They're always entertaining. And Crosby versus McKinnon, in my opinion, is always a better matchup than Crosby versus McDavid. I think there's a little bit more there. And I think the two players put on a little bit more of a show when they go up against each other. It's because they're buddies. Exactly. Work out together. There's the little lightheartedness. There's always a little bit of a wager on it, I think, between those two. Ah, you know, this is still a fun team. They have good players. Remember Abe Kubel in the Flyers uniform? He's on their fourth line. Good luck with that, everybody. Yeah. Andrew Cogliano still coasting around. How about Darren Helm is their fourth line center? List of people you didn't realize are still in the league. Darren Helm. Wow, Darren Helm is on the top. Same with Nico Sturm, by the way. He just got traded there for Minnesota. Yeah. You look at this line, you, you you look at the Avalanche and you realize, oh yeah, it's McKinnon, McCarr, <clears throat> Rantanen, Landeskog. But then you realize they have Darren Helm, Nicholas Abe Kubel, mm-hmm. JT Comfort, and then you're like, oh wait, this team has real life depth, uh, veteran depth at that. Um, everyone, be sure to also, the downfall of Eric Johnson, he's on the third pairing. With Jack Johnson. Oh, Jack Johnson's on the second, according to Daily Faceoff. Oh, Face-off. I guess because the injuries, I guess he bounced up. Yeah, and that's what I was about to get at. Ladies and gentlemen, whether whether you are a betting person or not, uh, place that bet. Uh, Jack Johnson, anytime, anytime goal against the Penguins. <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed. Uh, I, I kind of want to see what the odds are at show sponsor DraftKings for that. But um, Did they have it a game out like that? Oh, I guess they wouldn't. They wouldn't have that yet. But we can just we'll keep we an eye on it. I will, I will, yeah, we can discuss it. I will post it on Twitter. I'll be like, anytime goal scorer, Jack Johnson. Take it. You, you take that. I'm sure it's plus over a thousand. Five bucks down gets you a good, nice little payday. Yes, it does. But um, no, nonetheless, this is going to be a difficult stretch for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's going to be a difficult home and home, especially the Abs are so good on home ice. The Penguins are very good as a road team, but in the middle of this stretch, it's going to be interesting. The Penguins might be lucking out a little bit, not having to face Landis Cog, not having to face McKinnon. But don't get me wrong, it's going to be a very, very difficult game, pair of games to win. For the Pittsburgh Penguins. Something else that you mentioned there. Nico Bakubel, former Philadelphia Flyer. As of right now, it seems like Mark Friedman might be getting back into the lineup. What Let's happens go. between those two? Let's At go. least during practice on Wednesday, Friedman took Marcus Pedersen's spot on the third pairing. Hey, we're, we're just trying things. Remember, we're at the point of the season where our, our spot in the playoffs is pretty solidified. The yeah. seeding is not. Yeah. Why not give things a shot, right? Yeah, why not? I just unplugged my computer with my foot. Uh, and why not toss in Mark Friedman to just be a pest against his former teammate? You love that. That, and we can have an entire discussion. We won't because we already went way too long on the uh, on the forward lines. We can have an entire discussion about what this decor is supposed to look like in game one, or at least what we think it would 
But uh, nonetheless, yeah, we need we need some more filtering out to do first. Yeah, nonetheless, it's good that the Penguins and Mike Sullivan are trying to make sure everybody is ready in the lineup. Getting Mark Friedman back in the lineup is chief among those reasons as well. But uh, a couple of little tidbits on the Pens' abs before we move over to shout-outs and call-outs to finish this show. The Avalanche are 6-2 and two in their last eight games played as of this recording. They will play one more game before that matchup on Saturday. Their league ranks second in goals per game, 3.76, eighth in goals allowed per game at 2.75. They're a top team in the league for a reason, guys. Even though they're missing people, they're second in goals per game for a reason. Expect Nazem Kadri, expect Miko Rantanen, expect the players that are on the ice for them, no matter who's injured, are going to be star-powered players because that's how deep they are, especially a guy like Kale McCarr. It's always fun watching him. But Horwat, any last thoughts? Oh, I even forgot about this. I have this question right in front of me. Who is your Western Conference favorite really quickly before we head to break? Uh, it's got to be the Colorado Avalanche. I know they're going to win another President's Trophy. I know they're, I know the President's Trophy winners usually don't go on to do much. But this West, I feel like we've been riding the Colorado Avalanche train for a little while now. Mm-hmm. And if it's not the Colorado Avalanche taking out the West, it's probably Calgary. That's my Western favorite right there. Yeah, it's just between those two, mm-hmm. I think. Everyone else is a good team. Every other team that's still in a playoff hunt there is a good team. Uh, but as we've run down, Vegas is just falling apart at the seams. Yeah. Barely holding on to a playoff spot. They might miss the playoffs this year. That mm-hmm. might be fun. Edmonton is, what are they really, actually? The Kings are good in rebuilding. Somehow second in the Pacific. Boy, is that a weird division. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned Calgary. Then you flip up to Nashville. I mean, okay, I guess. They're barely in, but it's, it's Nashville still. St. Louis, not bad. Don't mind it. Minnesota, we had that discussion. Mm-hmm. And the Colorado, running away with things. Mm-hmm. So, it's the West is kind of weak, but at the same time has two to maybe a third, if someone can get hot, powerhouses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the West, in my eyes, goes to this. Obviously, the betting favorite is Colorado, but I think the separation between Calgary and Colorado is much closer than Calgary and the rest of the pack. So, that's how I view this. I think Calgary is my favorite. If you want more thoughts on that, I talked about it on my Tuesday episode of the Hockey Hotbed. You can go check that out. I also gave my Dark Horse Stanley Cup pick, which was the Minnesota Wild. So check that out on the Hockey Hotbed Tuesday's episode. But we are going to take a quick break here. When we return, finishing this off, as we always do on Thursdays, with our shout-outs and call-outs. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. For what shout-outs and call-outs. It's going to be a fun one. I know it's going to be a fun one. Hit me with your shout-out to start things off. Ah, hit me with a shout-out because I told, about, told you what it was beforehand. Ladies and gentlemen, I really enjoy when uh, professional sports teams honor players of other professional sports teams in their city. And good on the Pittsburgh Penguins for doing a Ben Roethlisberger night because that's knowing your audience. Mm-hmm. That's knowing your city. Hey, football is by far the biggest sport in this in this town. We can all agree on that. 
probably by far the biggest name the team has ever seen, maybe up there with a couple others, uh, retired recently, and the Penguins said, we're going to have a ceremony for you because a hell of a career, Hall of Fame career, and just they did cool things. <laughs> watching, watching the video of all of them going out for warm-ups and just seven, seven, mm-hmm. seven. It brought it... It brought back the meme of the 87, 87, 87 that we see so many times whenever a team does really good. Mm-hmm. It's, it was cool. It's fun stuff. It's, it doesn't have to be much, you know, just the, the jerseys, the puck drop, the, the damn potash interview. Yeah. Great stuff all around from the Penguins to honor someone who has meant an immense amount to this town over the last 17 years. Mm hmm. A little 18. more, give or take, eighteen. Yeah, um, it's incredible. I, it's, it, and it was more than just inviting him into the box and putting the camera on him. It, like, you'll see that all the time. You know, Antonio Brown going to playoff games, Big Ben going to playoff games, Garrett Cole going to playoff games. You'll see that stuff all the time. Um, or even I, when the Predators were in the Cup final, we saw there the the Titans' entire offensive or defensive offensive, line. Yeah. At the game. That's fun stuff, too, but there's something a little different whenever you're honoring someone uh, for career accomplishments, and it's different sports. We've seen the Pirates, the Steelers, and the Penguins all sort of intermingle mm-hmm. in this really cool way. I mean, Crosby throwing out the first pitch after the second cup run. Um, we've seen it for a long time, and it's really fun watching Pittsburgh sports be this one big community because... Mm-hmm. What do people always say about this town? It's two things. One, big city with a small town feel. You get that vibe all the time. Yeah. And also, people, anytime an athlete comes here, it's, well, it's one hell of a sports town. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's, I don't know if it's Pittsburgh Clothing Company. I believe it is. When you play Pittsburgh, you play the whole damn city. And that is epitomized by what you saw on Tuesday. I also really liked it. Obviously, Big Ben doing the fake... Uh, Fake pass, dropping back for for the puck drop. I mean, that's something different. It's cheesy. But also... Slips, breaks an ankle again. <laughs> I mean, at least he has time to rehab. It doesn't have to worry about coming back. But uh, the carpool might be a little bit more difficult for him going forward with that. He was in a box with Brett Kiesel and Bugsy Ryan Malone. I would have loved to hear... I've been a fly on the wall in that box, definitely. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was a few other names in there because it's, I think like... Yeah. I think like I saw Ty Domi and Paul Coffey were in there as well because they're here for the Lemieux Classic, which is happening uh, like right now. Yeah. Um, so just you walk you walk into that room and all of a sudden you're like everyone here has a story, mm-hmm. has a Hall of Fame career. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Everyone here has done big things. Yeah. They're all massive sports figures. And, Odds and are Pierre Ryan was and and Ryan Malone. And odds are Pierre LaRouche was still there because he's always there. Yes. Just a staple in that box. Here's what I'm going to say about it as well. When you play Pittsburgh, you play the whole damn city. Yes, Pirates, sometimes excluded from that. We don't talk about the dis- the they trade discussions be, for Brian Reynolds they that would, I just saw. They would be very stupid to not have Ben Roethlisberger throw out the first pitch on PN, not even PNC, what is, I don't even know what the field is called, on Pittsburgh Pirates field opening day. They took the. I thought they took the signage down. I thought no, that was just to put up a new sign. Okay, so it's still PNC Park, right? I didn't know. I wanted to make sure, but not only because it's opening day, it's Ben Roethlisberger. You need to do it. Also, because the Pirates' opening day at PNC Park is on four one two day, and the starting pitch is at four one two. 
4.12 in the afternoon. Put Ben Roethlisberger there, put everything together, and have a freaking GD moment because you're not going to have very many of them this season. If you're the media relations person for the Pittsburgh Pirates and you're tuned into this for some reason, hear my words. Put Ben Roethlisberger as the ceremonial first pitch on opening day PNC on 4-1-2 at 4-1-2 time. That is, it's the easiest decision to steal from Capital One. It's the easiest decision in the history of decisions. You're right. I like that. It's just, I'm going to rebuttal with one thing. There's always, because I've gone to a ton of home openers in my life, Mm -hmm. there's always a little extra pump and circumstance for the game, for the game of baseball during the Pirates home opener. Mm -hmm. Like, there's the... Now introducing your entire forty-man roster, yeah, that of guys you don't know who the hell they are, and hey, Brian Reynolds, that we might not pay put some, anyway. Put some respect on Key Brian Hayes' name, even though we're not going to pay him either. Forgot about Key Brian Hayes because O'Neill Cruz is in the minors. Way to go, Pirates, doing the damn thing this year. Oh, we'll get but, to like, it. <laughs> but both teams get their little opening ceremonies. Mm-hmm. You get the lineup, you get the big giant American flag in the outfield, mm-hmm. normally held by Cub Scouts. Yeah. Because that's all the Pirates I mean, they're playing the Cubs, Cubs so they can get the Cubs to hold it. Hey, the Cubs scouts. Ah, oh, so funny. All right, but no, there's always a little extra pomp and circumstance when it comes to the home opener. So maybe they just don't have a way to fit in. Because I'm talking whole ceremony. It's one thing to have a little puck drop, this, that, the other, put them on the screen. I'm talking the whole shebang. Like, I mean, what else is he doing? It's a third. It's say, a third. It it's a Thursday two. afternoon. Take your kids out of school and go do it. Do it game two. No, I don't stupid. Know. It would once again be a failure on the part of the Pittsburgh Pirates, but what else is new? We'll talk about that. They're clearly my call out. But my shout out for this week, it kind of goes along with the Big Ben thing. It's farewell tours because Albert Pujols has returned to the St. Louis Cardinals for one last season. He tried to win a World Series with the LA Dodgers last season, tried to get one more for the Gipper, didn't get one. Now he's going to finish it where it all started. Sometimes sports just happens that way, and it's funny how it does. And I'm very excited to watch Albert Pujols back in a Cardinals uniform. Obviously, the Cardinals and the Pirates, massive rivals, but the Pirates are so bad that it's kind of hard to it's, keep that anger going. We don't have a rivalry anymore, man. It, you're too, Yeah, you're at the point where you're... It's basically with Philly. You're at the point where you're too bad to have a rival at this point. But uh, even, even if we were fighting the Reds every game, at least that was fun. Yeah, but uh, no, nonetheless... I love that Albert Pujols is doing that. Mike, shout out his farewell tours in general. It will get much more support than the Coach K farewell tour has. Of course, Duke-UNC, first ever matchup in the Final Four coming up this Saturday. Probably the most anticipated, most excited I've ever been for a basketball game in general. So, that farewell tour, cool. And just to put the cherry on top, I was looking up tickets at Nats Park to see if I can even afford to go to Elton John's farewell tour this fall. I cannot. It's way too expensive. The cheapest ticket is $330, and I still had a eh, maybe thought, but I, I, I can't afford that. I'd love to do it, but I love farewell tours when they're done well. Pool host, I'm excited for his. Coach K, many people hate him, and I want to see him lose on Saturday, to be completely honest. Elton John, if anybody wants to gift me a ticket to Elton John, live on tour, farewell tour, at Nationals Park, I believe it's in November. Might be a little cold, but I don't care. I'm open to accepting that as a gift. Wait, that's weird that it is in November. Um, couple of rebuttals for you, I guess. It's in August, actually. I think either August, September. Uh, yeah, or, I don't know. I looked at it yesterday, very late, when I was doing my notes for this, and uh, my brain wasn't completely on anymore. Yeah, got a couple of comments here though, because 
with Pujols going back to the Cardinals, what's the over-under how many dangers he smacks against the Pirates this year? Like, absolute balls. Opening day, he's hitting one. Got it. Cool. Love that for us. Next Thursday, yeah. Uh, he's just because he's just gonna be a monster against. He's not gonna be. I bet he's not gonna be that great all year, just because he's old and he was he did okay. He was with the okay Dodgers. last year with the Dodgers. Yeah, but now you tack on another year, the game's getting faster around them, and well, there's a uh, DH in the NL now. Ah, there it is. There he, he is. Play first doesn't have to doesn't have to trot out onto the field anymore. Just go up there um, and bat. Singles and, and home I'm runs sh- only. But I'm sure he's gonna crush the Pirates. Probably. Um. The Coach K thing, uh, uh, listen, I'll probably miss that game. Don't really give a damn. Yeah. All eight of my Elite Eight teams were eliminated. I don't know if we got to that part. We did. All right, cool. I knew all four of my Final Four teams were out, but then the other four lost too. So there's that. And then, oh, don't worry about missing the Elton John thing. He'll be back. This is like the third trip around the globe he's done on this tour. Well, his farewell tour is going to be a decade long. I understand that. But it's going to get more expensive each turn he takes. You know that. I mean, yeah. It's just so funny that I think his farewell tour has rolled through PNC Park once already, mm-hmm. and he's coming back again in I think September. That might be that might be right because I think that's when it is in, in DC again. I don't know for sure. I gotta check, but I think it's September. Uh, yeah, I just don't fear of missing out on Elton John. He'll be back again. And yeah, also, but I'll still him. be poor. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Maybe it's a little more attainable then. You never know. Yeah. But also, think of it this way, especially with musicians, farewell tours almost never last. Kiss announced their first farewell tour in 1997. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So. So. What's next? Uh, let's move over to call-outs, and it's it's kind of a similar thing we talked about a little bit. I'm calling out the Pittsburgh Pirates because there are slow-rolling prospects, and then there's the O'Neill Cruz situation. Last year, he played the majority of the season in A Altoona. And then he played six games in AAA Indy. He had five homers in six games. He had a 1.941 OPS, which is ridiculous. <laughs> it, it's ungodly. It was only a six-game sample size. But it's ungodly numbers that he put up in that short stint. He came up to the Pirates. I believe he had three at-bats. One of them was a homer. And he's been killing it in Grapefruit League ball. I understand it's Bradenton, so whatever. He's probably the best power hitter in the organization at this point. So the fact that he was sent down to minor league camp earlier this week, I mean, it's it's peak Pirates. I asked myself, oh, why would they not have him in the majors to start the season? Oh, because it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. They don't give a shit, and they're just going to run this organization straight into the dirt and six feet under it. I hate straight it Straight into the mud. I hate it here. Dude, I, it's there's that. You know, because you want to you can make all the arguments you want for sending him to the minors and i will just kind of he needs more seasoning okay i'll hear it out i'm not going to agree with it but i'll hear it out you know whatever he's young maybe he needs this that the other fine just make sure you call him up later whatever i don't care it's i'll I'll hear out i'm not going to agree but i'll hear out what you're saying it's just then you tack on it took forever for key brian hayes to get here and then oh yeah like i said as we were recording this episode i see tweets that the padres have been contacting the pirates about brian reynolds Mm -hmm. and that names have been thrown around they'll bring back adam frazier that'll be the deal what the hell no we're getting prospects again (laughs) what the hell is this team doing i just it's pain life is pain Mm -hmm. when it comes to watching pirate baseball because um, when it comes to Pirates baseball, my favorite thing to discuss is the history of this team. Oh my god, I love the history of this team. Mm-hmm. Even like during, even like the '90s portion of it, 
you know, or the beginning of our droughts or like the, the beginning Andy of Vance our trade Lake. habits. The Andy Van Slake years, the, ba- the Barry Bonds years, mm-hmm. all the way up to, like, the Jason Bay era. And then it's just, okay, what has happened? I'll give you up to the Jason Bay era. Just everything oh, yeah. that and back is so much fun to talk about because it's yeah. a childhood, and then you get into the real good history of the team. And it's just some of the greatest players to ever play the game have worn this uniform. We're talking all the way back from the original original Hall of Famers and Honest Wagner mm-hmm. up to Willie Starge or Roberto Clemente. Up to, I mean, we've never really had a solid pitcher in the entire franchise. Except for the really old ones. Like, I think Smiley was his name. Doug Drabeck won a Cy Young here. That's cool. But you look at the history of this team and you wonder, what the hell has happened? Yeah, and I would even throw in, and I posted about it yesterday. I'd even throw in, like, the A.J. Burnett, young Garrett Cole. Forgot about our playoff years. I Andrew do. McCutcheon, MVP run. Like, there were some real great memories from those three years. And then the Pirates did the Pirate thing and said, oh, we're not going to pay these guys and we're going to we're gonna rebuild when we haven't even seen the fruits of our labor from the last one. I forgot all of them. See, and that's the other thing, too, is how many times do we talk about the Pirates? And every time I go, oh, yeah, we made the playoffs once. Three years in a row. Well, we made wild cards twice. Well, we made the wild card all three times. And then the one, no, the yeah. only the one time we won against the Reds. Yeah, so we made the actual playoffs once. Fair enough. The way I look at Fair it. Fair enough. We made the actual playoffs once, and we forget about it. It was a fun team, too. Oh, I don't. But... I cling to those memories, like, for dear life. Because that's all I have. That's, that's, what keeps, good on you. that's what keeps me watching these games. I will watch opening day next Thursday. I will watch probably... This season, I'll probably watch 100 to 162 games. Maybe not in full, but I'll have them on. And, and it's going to be you. it's gonna be pathetic. Now, who am I rooting for in the meantime? I always have to pick a team to root for. And I usually just put a futures bet on it. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to follow in this season. This year, it is the Padres. So, you know what? If Brian Reynolds goes to the Padres, I'm going to understand it. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be pissed off. But at least he'll be on a team that I'm ready to watch. Yeah, I, I thought this team could be decent. No, you know, keep Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, maybe O'Neill Cruz sneaks in. We Mitch have, Keller will I, have a good season. I'll say that. Mitch Keller will be cool, but and then we talk about all the prospects that might play. We we bring in this bomb hitter in Vogelbach, who could be a ton of fun just to watch him hit balls over the Allegheny. It's going to be all for naught if mm-hmm. Brian Reynolds is gone and we don't call up O'Neill Cruz and Ronzi Contreras doesn't play. Yeah. And, like, I like it's, Michael Chavez. I'm excited for Michael Chavez. It's new. He, he has a little bit of an edge to him. I think he's he's cool. But he's not a great player. There's a reason he's on this team. It's because he's cheap. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all for naught if nothing doesn't go right. Yeah. Um, Last thing I want to say before we move over to your call out to close the show. Pirates win total at show sponsor DraftKings is currently at 65 and a half. Yep. Over or under? Uh. uh under but not far because I don't think we have another 100 loss season. I do. I, don't. I think they have, ah. I think they lose a hundred games again this year. So I'm going to say under. You see, cause I do have a little confidence that O'Neill Cruz can come up and that weeks do somehow hold. They on don't have any pitchers. Reynolds. Yep. That's, are you going to outscore everybody? Not with this lineup. You're going to have, unless key Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds stays and O'Neill Cruz have 35 home runs each. This team is not winning more than 65 and a half games. And Vogelbach squeezes in 20 himself, maybe. Yeah, and Vogelbach just feeds the freaking pigeons in the Allegheny all the time. Hopefully, hopefully. So hopefully something fun can happen this year. And I don't mean something fun like Javier Baez turning around oh. while running to first. 
and ending up with a double. <sighs> okay, we <laughs> need to stop talking about the Pirates. I'm getting sad. I'm just thinking of the Pittsburgh Clothing Company shirt that I need to buy that says Pain with the Pirates P. Can we move on to your call out? And please don't say it's the Pirates again. Uh, no, it's not. It's okay. something you might hate worse than the Pirates, oh. not as shootouts. Because ah. this this weird discussion that we're having recently of of players skating slow in a shootout. First of all, who cares? Who cares? You're worried about the wrong things if you're worried about someone going too slow in a shootout. Number one, Patrick Kane's been doing that for years. Yeah. Forever and ever. Pavel Datsuk did it forever and ever. Let's not get mad at Kuznetsov. Hey, you, you want get, to get mad at it because it's Kuznetsov? Sure, whatever. Uh, it's dumb to get mad at that. Blake Wheeler just did it. And for some reason, everyone loved that one, though. Um... My personal opinions on shootouts, if you're going to have them, switch the rules. Switch the rules. You get 15 seconds. Score any way you can. Do you want to go around the net? You want to skate backwards? You want to take a clap bomb from the blue line? Do it any way you can. Or make it 10 seconds. Make a move if you actually aren't happy with the slowing down. If we're going to keep shootouts in the game, why not change it? Otherwise, don't get mad at it. Because the way I see it is kind of anything should be allowed. You want to... You have no one on you. You want to try and pull a Michigan? Go for it. You got uh, 10 seconds. Do it. I Yeah, putting a shot clock on it would make it interesting. I don't yes. like the – I mean, within reason, do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, don't turn around and be like, ah, I didn't like that approach. Like like the like was the it, slam dunk contest. Like, don't do was that. Was it St. Louis that would skate in backwards? I don't remember that at all. Someone skated in backwards, and I thought that was cool. Mm. Like, do that. Let them do that. Like, they can't do spin aranas anymore. Why not? Yeah, you, Why the, not? The puck cannot go – far back i mean but you can i don't know it, i hate shootouts like i i hate ties a lot i would almost rather see if you didn't score in, in overtime the two teams get a point and it's a tie i would almost rather see that i don't want to see that let, let me let me be clear on that i don't want to see that dead but, puck error. but i would almost like to see that instead of the shootout like i i really hate shootouts and i you you know i do and that's why you said that but like if we could put another five-on-five five overtime, if we could just say, hey, I understand you want to keep these guys playing, three-on-three, three, make it then two-on-two two in the second overtime, one-on-one one in the third one, and then after that, the goalies just have to go shooting from side to side, and whoever misses first, they lose. Game of I don't posts. know. I, yeah, exactly. That would be more entertaining to me than the freaking shootout because it is so bad. And at this point, I don't even know how to fix it. What I said was probably stupid just there. I don't even know. But... I hate the shootout, and I hate the fact that it has still become something that decides games in the regular season. It's just really interesting that everyone on Twitter collectively agrees that the shootout is dumb, but yet we still get mad at it. We still get mad at we still get mad at it not being right. How about you just get mad that we have it all together and not yeah. hey, what they're doing along is wrong? No, first of all. Both of them are clean goals. I don't care what anyone says. Blake Wheeler did not skate backwards in any way. If you stick-handle the puck backwards, so be it. That's a little different from actually moving than actually turning around and skating the other direction. Yeah. Him s simply stick-handling is not making the goalie think that he's going to do something different. If he's just if he's just stick-handling normally, then it's... It, I don't know. It's... I have almost zero time in my brain for shootouts anymore i'm so tired of it yeah it's i i, I bet it's oh we just agreed on a new cba though damn it yeah you're, you're not gonna get that fixed in a long time 
Maybe switch the rules somehow. I don't know. Like I said, put a shot clock on it. Make it like, hey, you have seven seconds. Ten, whatever is a decent amount of time. I have you have three seconds. Go. <laughs> three seconds from the other blue line. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, there are ways to fix it. Whenever it's, we're not in the era where it was introduced, whenever it was, whenever it was fun. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you're going to have it, there are ways to fix it. Let's just take advantage. Anyway, that's the episode. Yep, that is the episode. That'll be it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Penguins in the middle of a hellacious stretch of games. Tonight against the Wild will be a fun one. Saturday, national television on ABC. Set your calendars. 3 p.m. puck drop, which means 3.30 p.m. is when puck actually is going to drop. But that's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.